Today is Young Communicators Weekend, and we have at all seven of our services at different campuses, we have young communicators who don't preach on a regular weekend. And in this service, Stephanie Wood, who has been on our staff for a couple years, she is one of the most passionate young leaders that I I know around. She serves in such a powerful capacity. You've seen her do a lot of different things, but she's really the person, the engine that drives a lot of the stuff. You don't know what she's doing, but it's happening through her leadership. And she gets the mic this weekend and and this service only. In fact, all services is a different person, so you might want to hang around and see who's speaking at all the services. But I want you to be real encouraging to her. Don't give her that 830 smirk I get sometimes from y'all. Okay. She, I'm a professional. I can take it. All right. But she's a young emerging communicator. This is, you know, it's not something she does every weekend. So I want you to be super encouraging. A lot of, a uh, lot of smiles and a lot of uh, cheers for her. In fact, let's start out right now. Give a big hand to Stephanie as she makes her way up here. Make her feel welcome to Young Communicators Weekend. Good morning. I am So excited to be here. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I know a lot of people have been out enjoying the good weather, which is nice. It's a little hotter than I thought it was going to be, but I'll take it. Um, I do want to say thank you to Pastor Jerry just for allowing me to have this opportunity. Not many pastors in the world are willing to share the platform with some people that don't know what they're doing. And so I'm super thankful for that. And can we just honor him and just thank him for what he does for this church? Yes. So if you don't know me, my name is Stephanie. And like Pastor Jerry said, I'm on staff here at Daystar. I've been on staff for about three and a half years. I'm originally from Homewood, Alabama, graduated from the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, (laughs) which is where I met my husband, Andrew, and we have been married for about six years in September. So it's been a wild ride so far. Um, I've grown to love Coleman. I can honestly say that I originally told him that there was no way I would ever live in Coleman, and now I love it so much. I'm so fond of it, and so I'm so glad to be here with you guys this morning. Um, About two years ago, I would be remiss if I didn't brag on my family. So about two years ago, we welcomed our sweet baby girl, Leighton Grace. I think they have a picture of her somewhere. Yeah, there she is. She's so cute. I'm biased. I obviously think she's like the most beautiful girl in the world. But she's also really, really smart. And she looks just like her daddy. But I'm going to take all the credit for for her being smart. And that kind of... Yeah, that kind of messed me up a little bit, but if you didn't know, I'm pregnant, so we're expecting um, a baby boy in October, and before every female here meets me in the lobby to ask me how far along I am, I'm 20 weeks. So now you know, and you don't have to ask me, but we're really excited and just excited to keep growing our little family. So if you have been keeping up with Jesus 365, which is our whole church is going through the one-year Bible together, and it has been so good, and I have really enjoyed it. But if you've been keeping up, then you know that we have been reading about um, Samuel, or sorry, in the book of Samuel, about Saul and David. And so just last week, Pastor Jerry talked about David and Goliath, which is an incredible story. But this week, I want to talk about Israel's first king, King Saul. But before I totally get into that, I got a question for you. Raise your hand if you have ever compared yourself to someone else. 
right? All of us. <laughs> it, comparison is a sneaky thing. It comes in when we're not even expecting it, and we find ourselves comparing things all the time. I mean, you maybe you're driving down the road and you compare your car to someone else's. I'm really bad about comparing how clean my house is to someone else's. When I walk in someone else's clean house, I'm really jealous. Maybe it's a body, a physical thing. Maybe it's a job or promotion or something like that. But comparison is so unhealthy. It's so unhealthy, but it's supernatural. Not supernatural. It's very natural. <laughs> Becoming a parent is a really funny thing, and the Lord has taught me so much through Leighton Grace. For any parents in the room, you've probably experienced this. Your kid starts doing something, and you have this moment where you go, oh, that's what the Lord sees when he sees me. I see it now. I get it. And so I had this moment the other night where Leighton Grace and I, it was uh, middle of the week. I was a little lazy, didn't want to cook dinner. Andrew wasn't home from work. And I said, you know what? We're going to go to Chick-fil-A. It's the Lord's chicken anyway. Let's go get some drive-thru, right? Come on. All right. <laughs> so we go to Chick-fil-A. And because I'm trying to be a good mom, I get her grilled chicken nuggets and fruit because I eat like a 12-year-old. I have a terrible uh, diet. Except that I do really love collard greens and Brussels sprouts now, so I think that elevates me to somewhere around like 16, 17. But I really love fried chicken and french fries, okay? It is a bad habit for me. But so I'm trying not to teach her that, so I get her something good. So we get home, and we open it all up, and I set it out in front of her, and she starts going to town because girlfriend loves fruit, loves it, and loves grilled chicken nuggets from there. So she's happy. She's content. All is well in the world. Until I bring out my food and I get out my, because we all know I got number one because you don't go to Chick-fil-A and not get a chicken sandwich, right? Amen. Okay. So I pull out my sandwich and I'm sitting there and what does she do? Mine? Mine? Bread? Bread? And so she starts asking me for all of my food, which if you have any children, you know that there is, that's the best way to lose weight because they just take all your stuff. It's fantastic. But anyways, but it got me thinking. It got me thinking about comparison. You know, she was perfectly content with what she had in front of her until she saw what I had. Perfectly content. It was nutritious. It was healthy. It was a good choice for her. And then she looked over and saw what I had, which honestly was bad and really not good for anybody. And she wanted it anyway just because she didn't have it. And it got me thinking, have you ever stopped to think that maybe what you have in your hands right now is perfectly made for the calling that the Lord has on your life? It's so easy to look at other people and want what they have. But God gives us the tools and the resources and honestly just the things that we need in our life to persevere and grow endurance through to become who he wants us to be. So Albert Einstein says this about comparison. He says, everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its entire life thinking it's stupid. That's pretty good. We all have our strengths and weaknesses, and we focus, it's so bad when we focus on other people's successes and failures to measure where we are. Okay, this person's got it all together. Am I below them? Am I above them? Am I with them? You know, where am I on that marker? So like I said, I wanted to talk about uh, King Saul this morning because he had a really bad problem with comparison. 
it really messed up his future and his life and uh, just really took God out of the equation in his life. And so if you don't know about Saul, Saul was the first appointed king of Israel. So for him to be first, what was before that? So Israel was made up of different tribes. There were judges for each different tribe, but Israel cried out. They had their own comparison issue, which is a whole nother story, but they had their own comparison issue. They wanted to be like every other nation around them. And so they cried out to the Lord and they said, please give us a king. And so the Lord gave in and he anoints a guy named Saul. Now Saul was tall, dark, and handsome, every lady's dream supposedly. He was, the Bible says that he was morally and ethically a good choice. Um, he wasn't a bad guy. He was um, a foot taller than everybody else in the kingdom. And I don't know about you, but tall people just seem to have extra authority. I think of John Short here at the Good Hope campus who is so tall. He probably gets tired of people talking about how tall he is. But he's so tall, and he just walks through the lobby with a different kind of authority. I'm really short, but I try to walk tall. And a lot of people think I'm taller than I am because I have like a Napoleon complex and I walk around like I'm 10 feet tall. But I'm really only 5'1", and when people figure that out, they're always surprised. But tall people tend to walk with authority. And so Saul was anointed as king. And when he was anointed, the Lord was with him and things were going fantastic. He was winning wars. He was uniting Israel. I mean, it was just going really great until he decided to do something different. And so we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 15. One, it says Samuel, which Samuel was the prophet of this time. And Sam, basically what a prophet is then is a messenger of the Lord. So he's the one that the Lord speaks through to go and give his word to the people. So Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. He's reminding Saul that he is the one that anointed him years ago, because this has been years. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites, and yes, I've practiced a million times saying that, and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. It's pretty stinking clear what the Lord wants him to do. Destroy everything. Leave it all there. Don't come back with anything. Kill it everything. Kill everything. But Saul, for the first time, doesn't follow the Lord's plan as he has in the past. So we'll pick up in verse 7. It says, Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilar to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with a sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed. I'm going to tell you something. When you don't do what the Lord says, he knows that fast. The very next verse, the Lord goes to Samuel and says, I regret that I made, made Saul king because he's turned away from me. He's turned his back on the Lord. He's turned away from me and not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all night. So for the first time, Saul didn't 
obey the, the word of the Lord. He didn't do what God told him to do. And the, the Bible goes on to say that the spirit of God left him. He lost the favor of the Lord. He lost um, his anointing, if you will, because he disobeyed him. Not only did Saul think that he knew better than God, he had to have thought that. Because why else wouldn't he do what he called him to do? So not only did he think that he um, knew better than him, but he obviously thought that the Lord would not provide for them. In the, in the next part of the story, Samuel comes and he's like, dude, what are you doing? God told you to kill all of this. And, and Saul starts making up, I mean, you know when you get called in something, you just start saying stuff? You don't really know what you're saying, and then eventually it catches up to you and the truth comes out. So he's like, oh, well, um, we, uh, we just brought him back. Uh, actually, he originally says, no, we did exactly what the Lord says. And Samuel's like, then what's all of this? And he says, oh, oh, we brought that back for sacrifice. That, that's what it was, sacrifice. We were going to sacrifice those to the Lord. That's what we were going to do. And Samuel's like, dude, I know that's not what you're doing. Seriously, what happened here? And he goes on to say that he was afraid of his men. And I get it. If you're king, and the Bible says he had thousands of men in his army. I mean, thousands. Lots and lots of people are with him. And if you go somewhere, and there's perfectly good cows and sheep and things that are very, very valuable, and you tell them to kill all of them because that's what the Lord said to do, they're probably questioning you and they're probably a little bit upset about it. And so Saul decides that he cared more about what his men thought about him. He cared more about having the favor of his men than he did about having the favor of the Lord. You see, rebellion and the desire to be liked and comparison and ultimately just not trusting God, it's actually all wrapped up in one package. It's called fear. And Saul fell right into that trap. See, comparison is completely rooted in fear. See if you relate to any of this. Fear that we're not liked enough. Maybe it's by our friends or coworkers. Um, unfortunately, maybe even family. Sometimes we can feel rejected by our family. What about this one? Because this one I think is a good one. What, fear that we aren't good enough. Maybe it's a promotion at job. You know, we, we're not getting that recognition we wanted. Um, a big one, fear that we're not good enough for the calling of the Lord on our life. He's called us to do something and we're like, uh-uh, they don't, they just don't know. They do not know my story. I cannot go and do that. That's not going to work. And this is a really big one, fear that we can't provide enough. I feel like that one probably hits parents or guardians of some way um, really big. Any, anytime with finances, money, houses, food, college, you know, whatever that may look like for your family. But finances, fear that you can't provide enough. All of this, all this fear, it pushes us to compare ourselves to other people, to find that marker, to see how we're doing. But comparison is not only rooted in fear, it grows in the same seed as blasphemy and rebellion. And every time we partner with fear or rebellion or comparison, any of that, we are advancing the plan of the enemy in our lives. We're opening a door and letting him in and we're saying, come on, lead the way. We're gonna follow that. 
Because whether we mean to or not, when we partner with that, we're saying that we don't trust the Lord's plan in our life. And so when this, for Saul, when the spirit of left Saul, he became insanely jealous of a young guy named David. And I think most people in this room probably know about David. David was actually the one that was appointed king after he was. But David and Saul's paths crossed a lot. They, they actually met many times and have a lot of close history together. And David actually became a large commanding uh, officer in his army. And so in 1 Samuel 18, 7, it says this. Now, David was super successful. He was the man when it came to being on the battlefield. And so it says, as they danced and they sang, this is talking about the people of Israel, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was furious and resented this song. They have ascribed tens of thousands to David, but only, a thousand, only thousands to me. Which, by the way, makes me laugh. Like, oh, that guy's killed so many people. I've only killed this many people. Why are we celebrating this? But okay. But they've only, they've only thousands to me. What more can he have but the kingdom? And here's the big line that you need to watch. And from that day forward, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. From that day forward. For the rest of Saul's existence in the Bible... The stories are full of his failed attempts to attack and kill David. It could have been about how he was, because make no mistake, he wasn't a bad king in human terms. I mean, the Bible is a little unclear about how long he reigned. People believe it could be from 20 to 40 years, but that's still a pretty good amount of time to be over a nation. He unified the tribes of Israel, pretty big deal. Way went from all separate tribes into one country, and he was the man next to David on the battlefield. He was great. He did a good job. But that one battle over Amalek, that one mistake, it wasn't the end of his life, but it, it allowed for, instead of living out the remaining of his uh, kingship and glory and celebrating wins, he lived it out in envy and jealousy. And that's what happens to us. Anytime we are comparing ourselves to other people, we are living out in envy and jealousy. And so I want to give you a couple things that comparison does. Because sometimes I think we don't always see it. Comparison's kind of sneaky, and it just kind of takes root sometimes without us really seeing it. And so I want to give you a couple things, and I'm going to try to fly through these. So number one, it creates false thoughts about yourself. Comparing yourself to other people does one of two things. It makes you feel better or it makes you feel worse. But who would agree with me that neither of those are good? Neither. So let's start with the obvious uh, negative. Most of the time when you compare yourself to other people, it creates envy. Most of the time we feel jealous of something that someone else has. Jacob has a bigger house than me or um, Sarah goes on more trips than me or what I believe to be the personal um, vessel or, or tool of the enemy, social media, the worst comparison tool ever. You know, Riley got 27 more likes on her Instagram photo than I did. Well, the world's ending, guys. We, we need to pack up and roll out. When you focus on others and compare yourself to them, you're going to start to believe the lies of the enemy that you aren't good enough. And when you do that, you're opening a door for shame. 
But here's the thing, when you compare yourself, it can either discourage you or it can inspire you. Some people are inspired to grow from that. But then my question to you is, but grow towards what? More money, more power, more authority? Where in that are you growing towards Jesus? Because that's really the only thing that matters. And that's exactly what Saul did. Saul was completely focused on David and his successes, and he didn't even take time to focus on who he was anymore. He lost complete sight of himself. God took a nobody in Saul and appointed him king over Israel. Pretty huge deal. But he was so focused on what God was doing in David's life that he forgot what God was doing in his life. Some of you aren't like Saul. You, you don't find envy when you compare yourself to other people. There's some people that find something a little bit different. And you feel like um, you're like an eagle in a room full of buzzards. Yeah, I know. I got some of those people in my life. So you're an eagle in a room full of buzzards. But there, there's a problem with that too. You're comparing yourself to a crowd of people that was never created to do what you can do. So there's going to be two things wrong with that. Number one, you're going to have a false sense of thinking you're pretty awesome. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you like it is on that one. It's a false sense of thinking you're pretty awesome. And the second thing, the thing that hurts more, is that you'll never live up to your true potential because you think you've already made it. But God has more more for you. You're not meant to be right where you are. So either way, you're living in envy or pride, and neither of them are God's plan for your life. And they're completely against God's nature. So it creates a false sense about who you are. And secondly, it destroys relationships. Can I just get some nodded heads if you've ever experienced a destroyed relationship through comparison? I mean, I don't know about you, but I will compare with people that um, are close to me. I don't mean to, of course, but it just creeps in. And sometimes you compare not just... um, not just person to person, but you'll take one person and you'll compare them against somebody you want them to be instead of accepting them for who they are. That's a tough one. That one will really mess you up because every time you do that, you're going to be disappointed. Every time you put expectations on people that they weren't meant to live up to, you're going to be disappointed. We were all made unique. We all have different spiritual gifts. And Pastor Jerry was talking about Pastor's Breakfast. If you don't know your spiritual gifts, you should go to Pastor's Breakfast. You should go through Growth Track because that is where you can learn about who you are and the special gifts and talents that the Lord has given you. I don't know about you, but the more I compare myself to someone, the more I resent that person. That envy creeps in. And I find myself... um, Wishing things wouldn't go their way, you know, just that one, just this one time, can she not win? Do you have that friend that always wins? Like anytime their name is in a raffle, they always win. Come on, say my name. I had this friend in college, and she's honestly one of my best friends in the world. Thank you, Jesus. I've gotten over it. But this girl, she was the luckiest girl in the world. I mean, jobs, great jobs. We, At Alabama, there's so many students, they started doing this like raffle thing for you to be able to get tickets to the games. She always got a full season of tickets, always. I'm like, what is happening over here? It was so frustrating. And I would find myself wishing, I I know these are shallow little things, but at the time it was frustrating. 
And some of them were bigger, you know, good jobs and different things where I'm like, why didn't I get a good job like that? That's awesome, you know? She's making bank. And instead of me being like, yes, friend, that is awesome. I'm so excited for you. Like, ah. Instead, I was going, ah. (laughs) And I was mad about it and frustrated because I was comparing myself to them. So I was letting a wedge drive in between us for no reason, literally no reason. For Saul, this looked like destroying the relationship between him and David. And so I mentioned to you guys that David played uh, their past crawls a lot. So David played the leader in Saul's courts. He was a commander in his army. He um, was best friends with his son, Jonathan. He um, actually eventually became Saul's son-in-law. But when people began to credit David with more kills and wins, it tainted, or Saul became so jealous and was so focused on David that it tainted his relationship with everyone around him. Of course, it tainted his relationship with David, which, to be honest, was silly on his part because the Lord was with David. And when David went out in battle, he won. So that was a really bad relationship to destroy. But it also destroyed his relationship with his son, who was, his best, who was David's best friend. And Jonathan was willing to commit treason against the king which is punishable by death, just to tell David um, what the king's plan was up to, what he was up to, because he saw how ridiculous this whole thing was. So who have you pushed away in your life because of comparison? We've all done it. Of course, the ultimate relationship destroyed by comparison is a relationship between you and God. When we choose to partner with comparison, we're admitting that we don't trust God's plan. And it's easy for us to look at Saul's story and see that he didn't trust that and that he was more focused on um, just growing his treasure and winning the likes of his people than trusting God. For me, this looked like um, just not listening to God when he told me that I could be a public speaker, that I could speak into the lives of students. Um, Every time I listened to the voice of the enemy, I wasn't listening to the voice of God. The enemy completely wants to destroy your potential. He doesn't even want to let you get started on what God has planned for you. And so my question is, why would we let anything this negative ruin our life? Why even let it take control? But here's the thing is, I think we don't see it. I think it's like an ambush, and we don't actually know it's there. And so I want to give you three super fast ways And I'm going to skip some stuff to save on time. But I'm going to give you three super fast ways that you can guard yourself from comparison. So number one, start your day with a thankful heart. Sounds cheesy, but y'all, it is the truth and it is the way for you to avoid comparison. Start your day with a thankful heart. When you focus on what you do have instead of what you're supposedly lacking, it's a lot better. You realize things a lot less. And here's a big lie that you need to reject right now that Saul believed. Reject the lie that God is holding out on you because he's not. There's tons of scripture that you can read to start your day with a thankful heart. But it's as simple as, thank you, Lord, for a roof over my head. Thank you, Lord, for clean water. Thank you, Lord, for the health of my family. Number two, speak blessings over your frenemies, as I like to call them. We talked about how we often compare to people that are closest to us. 
And that is definitely what stings more in my life. If some stranger is blowing it up on Instagram, go you, I don't know you, I don't really care. But, um, but if some, a friend of mine is doing something awesome and I feel like I should be able to do that too, it hurts. It hurts more. And so not only does the Bible tell us to speak blessings over our enemies, but it also says that that allows us to be children of our Father. And so in Matthew 5, 43, it says, You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. When we speak blessings over our frenemies, we're knocking down any barriers that could arise between us and the Lord. So if starting your day with a thankful heart is telling comparison to get out, then speaking blessings over your enemy is like slamming it in comparison's face. And this last thing, this is what is going to keep it from coming back. This is the deadbolt. And that is to spend time with the Lord. You need to learn what the Lord says about you so that you quit believing the lies of the enemy. There's so much scripture, y'all. There's so much scripture about who you are and what the Lord says about you and your identity in Him. And that's the thing about comparison. It's comparison is attacking your identity. It's not about being a better body or eating healthier or having a better job. It's comparison is trying to attack who you are. But the Bible says that we are chosen. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful life. You are chosen. You have purpose. For we are his workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God prepared beforehand purpose so that we may do them. If we're God's special possession, how could we ever believe that we're not chosen in his kingdom and that we're not good enough and that he wouldn't provide for us and that he wouldn't bring us to the level that somebody else is at? If he loves us that much, how could we ever believe that? You need to find out what God says about you. See, here's the thing. If Saul had trusted God, and his plan for Israel, he would have never even ended up in this trap of comparison. David went on to be, not only become king, but to become one of the greatest kings that Israel ever knew. And if there's nothing else you hear today, I want you to hear this. Every plan that the Lord carried out through David, he could have done through Saul. Every plan that the Lord carried out through David, he could have done through Saul if Saul would have just trusted him and trusted the process and trusted where he was right now. When we don't trust God, we kill our potential. We kill it. And that's all the enemy wants. Saul believed the lie that God was holding out on him, which by the way, is the exact lie that the enemy used against Eve in the Garden of Eden. He told her, that the Lord was withholding the knowledge of good and evil from her, that the Lord was withholding the power to be like Him, withholding, withholding, withholding. But when are we gonna believe that God wants the best for us? 
that he, he's not withholding anything from us. The story of Saul started out with great hope, but it ended so tragic. He actually fell on his sword on a battlefield in an attempt to not be captured by the enemy. He was beheaded, his sons were killed, and they were hung up for the Philistine army to laugh at. The appointed king of Israel. But David, on the other hand, had every opportunity to fall into the trap of comparison to question God's plan. It's believed that David was anointed as king over 15 years prior to taking the throne. 15 years of having to watch someone else do the job that he was appointed to do. And so he had opportunities to kill him. And so I, can't, I don't have time to go into that story. You just gotta trust me, you gotta go read your Bible. But he literally had the opportunity to walk into Saul's camp and kill him right there. And he didn't do it because he trusted the process. So my question is simple, who do you wanna be, Saul or David? Do you wanna trust God and live your life knowing that he has good things in store for you? Or do you wanna live your life in pride or envy and never be able to live up to your full potential?